We're going to do a little series here. Don't know how long it's going to last, but the question I have for you this morning is, do words matter? Mm, that's, that's good. I'm glad to hear that because seriously, some people would say, can really what I say make that big of a difference in the grand scheme of life? And the answer is, but some people don't believe that. They don't really believe that their words actually carry that much weight and power. We hear people say, why are you so upset? I, 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 you know I didn't mean it. Maybe you've said that. Or what, what, what are you doing? You're, you're, you're packing up the bags, you're leaving? What are you doing? You're leaving? What, why? I was drunk, I was drunk. I didn't know what I was saying. Or perhaps the person says, I was just kidding. It was a joke. You know I really don't think about you like that. No, but you said it. Words are powerful and words are important. Um, Mrs. Giltner, she was my English literature class teacher in the 12th grade. I didn't even know what English literature was uh, when I went to the first day of class and she began to tell us that we were going to read books that are very important books, very well-known books, and, and books that are famous. And so we began to read like the first book ever written, like Beowulf, you know, and, and poems and Pilgrim's Progress and things like that. And, and then she would say things like this. She would, I remember she would say, um, now, what was this writer trying to say? And I said, he was trying to say what he just said. She goes, no, 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 no. I said, what are you talking about? She says, listen, there is a meaning behind these words. These are just analogies, metaphors. He's actually painting a picture about something else. Let us dive deep into this structured literature and let us mine out of it the gold and the silver and all the jewels that this incredible author was speaking of when he wrote this beautiful poetic poem. And I thought to myself, what kind of class did I get into? But so she would begin to share this very thought. And as we would unpack this little poem or piece of literature, she would tell us the actual meaning that he was trying to bring about. Uh, we, we have movies now um, that we've made series out of um, um, that, that we watch that actually have other meanings behind it. And, 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 and we, we, we understand this, but I didn't understand that at the time. And, but man, when I began to see that there was actually meaning behind the meaning, man, I dove into that. I, get, I just jumped in. I thought this was really a lot of fun. In fact, so much so that... that on the last day of school, we had a wards ceremony on the last day of school, last week of school, and I would, that was always a boring day to me because all the smart people got trophies and medals and all the athletic people got trophies and medals, and, and I just sat there. You know, how, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you don't. Maybe you one that got all the medals. I, but I wasn't. I just sat there and wasn't paying attention, and then during the awards ceremony, Mrs. Giltner was talking, and uh, she was giving out some awards, and she said my name. And I heard my name, but I had no idea why she said my name. And I just stared at her. There was a big old audience, you know, of all the student body was there. And, and uh, someone nudged me and said, 
I, I stood up. I'm like, why? What am I? She goes, JP, come. And so I walked down, and I still don't even know why I'm going down there. She goes, you won the award. I said, what award? I don't ever win awards. She said, for the most improved student of English literature. I don't know. Is that really what you want, an award for the most improved? That means that you were that bad, or what does that mean? I don't know. So I began to learn that really words do matter and words are important. So I want to give you some understandings this morning, the importance of words. Importance of words. Words unveil truth. They unveil truth. They unveil truth. It's like a bolt that you would put into some socket and it ties two things together. It, words are the, the entity that, that we use to tie two thoughts or paradigms or things together. We recently, uh, last year, I, we were up in Washington, D.C., and Patrick and Hannah were with us, my son-in-law and my daughter and, and Melissa. And, and so uh, we had D.C. to go visit for a couple days. And, and uh, so Patrick said, I don't care really where we go. I'm just glad to be here, but I really want to go to one place. And we said, well, what's that? He goes, the, we, I want to go to the National Archives Museum. Now, I'll be honest, I've been to D.C. a couple times, and I, that's not a place I've ever wanted to go. It doesn't sound important. It doesn't sound good. You know, archives, museum. I, I said, what's there? He goes, documents. <laughs> I'm like, I really don't want to go now, but I'm not going to say nothing because you're my son-in-law and we're going to go. And so, and so we go to this place and we, you know, have to be checked and scanned and have to have proof of who we are. And, and we walk into this museum and there's guards there, and, and the room is quiet, and there's just a handful of people, and they're just walking around, and they're looking at um, some things right here. And everything's, and they got these guards standing there. And I'm like, seriously, what is up with this? Go, this is really serious. I've just felt this somberness come. And, and, and Patrick's like running around this room like, 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 like a little tiny kid at Christmas time. You know, he's like, look at this. Look at this constitution, the Declaration of Independence, the Civil Rights, the, the Bill of Rights. Oh my. And, you know, he's, he's into it. And, 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 and I start getting into it. And I'm, and it's, it's, and, and I'm realizing that there's really importance to words. And it's there in that setting like this as you're looking into this case of words, the original documents founded in our nation, we realize that it, it was because of words that we are who we are. It's because of words that we do what we do. It's because of words that we think the way we think. It's because of words that we take the actions. That we, it's because of these words that we go to wars or don't go to wars. It's because of these wars that we appreciate this or we don't appreciate that. It's because of words. Can I tell you this morning, words are important and they're sacred when we read the Bible, we understand the power of words. Jesus would come along and, and he would never, he probably went to my English lit class, I think, because he would talk in these things called parables. 
more than 30 parables he would talk, which is nothing more than an, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And he would talk about you know, seeds being thrown onto different types of soil, stony soil, hard soil, you know, uh, rocky soil, good soil, and then just walk away and everybody's like, well, that's a cute little agricultural story. And, and yet the disciples were like, I think he's talking about something else. I think there's something more to this. And the disciples would pull him aside and they would say, hey, um, Jesus, did you mean something more than that? Is, he goes, well, absolutely I did. That, you have to understand that, that seed was truth that, that's, that comes upon a soil. The soils represent lives, people's lives. And that word, that seed comes and it falls on different types of people's hearts. And whatever your heart is like is what happens with that seed. They're like, oh, yeah, I get it, I get it. It's the power of words. Words are always important. They're like a, a prism. And you, you pick up a prism, and, and which is nothing more than white light coming into this object, and then out of it comes all sorts of color. And you hold this thing up, and as this light comes in one direction, you look at it the other side, and you see one thing. You put another angle, and you see it another way. You turn it another little angle, and it, it looks totally different than that. And it's just, that's the power of this word. You, you read something today, and you go, wow, that's, that's interesting. And, and, and then you read the same thing next year, two years an hour is something you're going through and you're going, whoa, I didn't know it meant that. You just read the same thing a year ago, last month, last week, and now it means something totally different. It's amazing the power of the word because it comes alive to the person that understands that God is speaking to you. So words are important because they reveal truth and words are important because they reveal what's in your hearts. Oh, hello. Matthew 12, 34, O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. I don't, I don't like what you said. Well, I didn't mean it, but you said it. Yeah, but I, you know I didn't mean it, but you said it. Well, so what? I said it. I'm asking if you forgive me, but if you said it, it means it was in your heart. Yeah, but I didn't mean it, but you said it. He, he said it like this. He said, you can't have fresh water come out of something that's salt water. You can't have something good come out of something bad. You, whatever's inside, something's of equal value is going to come to the outside. That's why what you say is always a reflection of what's going on in here. It's like an x-ray. It's like an MRI. I don't need to really open you up to see what's really in your soul. I don't need that. All I need to do is to spend a little bit of time with you, and I know exactly the attitude and the, stand, and the place of your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Proverbs 4, verse 20, my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. Words change your heart. And if I fill my heart with God's word, then guess what? If I fill my heart with this, then out of my heart will come life. And out of my heart will come healing. Out of my heart will come love. Out of my heart will come joy. Out of my heart will come peace. Out of my heart will come kindness. Out of my heart will come patience. It's all what's in your heart. It's all what's in your heart. Ask your neighbor, to tap him on the shoulder, go, what's in your heart? Come on, just do a little heart check. 
little heart check this morning. Number three, words reveal who I align myself with. Let me take a minute and just welcome everybody watching online and from the Baldwin County Correctional Facility. We just want to say we love you. Thank you for watching with us today. Appreciate you. Words reveal who I align myself with. Did you know there's 7,151 known languages in the world? 7,000. I had a hard time, hard enough time learning English. And then, then I tried to learn Spanish. Como estas? Muy bien. That's what you say, muy bien. I thought I was doing pretty good. I, I can say, uh, where's the bathroom? I can say hello. I can say thank you. And that's about it. And, and, and I can't imagine all these languages that are in the world, English language being the largest. And yet every sect of society has its own language. Beyond just the languages and the dialects of the culture, every, every part of that society or that culture has its own language. You talk to a computer programmer and they'll start talking things and saying things you have no idea what they're saying. If you're me, you talk to an airline pilot or uh, things like that. Uh, my son-in-law, my middle daughter's husband, he's a pilot and I'm trying to get into his world one day and trying to talk, you know, pilot talk and, 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 and I realize I don't have enough capacity in my mind to have that many acronyms in my life. Everything in military is like acronyms. You know what I'm saying? Just they just they they don't call anything anything. It's just an acronym. It's an abbreviation of all the things put together. And 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 I realized he had his own language. The fire department, the police department, they have their own language. We were talking this morning in the fire department at our small group about the importance of words. And and uh, and, and and one of the firemen said, "Well, there's three words we never say around here." Well, you know when someone says that. You just want to know. I said, what's that? He goes, no, I can't tell you. Everybody in the room's like, shh, shh, shh. I said, he goes, all I can tell you is it starts with a B, there's an S, and a Q. I'm like, come on, man, you can't do this to me. I got to know what words that you can't speak. He goes, I can't. Everything bad will happen around here if I say these words. It's a violation. We cannot say these words. I said, listen, come on, please. He goes, okay, since it's chapel, maybe God will forgive us. I said, yes. And I'm on the edge of my seat. He goes, busy, silent, and quiet. We can't say those three words. I said, you can't say busy? Ah! Why? Because the moment we say that word, everything falls apart around here. Sirens go off, alarms go off, telephones go off, everything. We're busy, busy, busy. Silent and quiet, can't say those three words. Words are important. Every, every part of culture has its own language. Teenagers have their own language. You can't talk to a teenager. You have no clue what they're saying. They, they, say, they, say, they say things like, you know, um, that are opposite of what, what it actually means. How many know what I'm talking about? Oh, man, that's so That's so wrong. Which I guess means right. I don't know. I, I'm trying to communicate to some of my children as they were growing up. I, recently, I heard one of, one of the, I heard Caleb say, oh man, bet, bet. I'm thinking, what, we got betting going on up in here? I guess that means that's cool or something or all right. 
Yeah. But see, we would say, that's groovy. You know, come on, somebody. <laughs> right? I remember groovy. We need to bring groovy back. But here's the good news. God speaks all languages. I was praying to take a little prayer walk last Saturday night, and I was walking around the block, and they were behind our house, and, and this guy was emptying his trash outside, and his trash can was walking back through, and, you know, I'm just trying to be nice. My wife thinks, she says, you know, you're not the mayor of the city, but I, I, I feel like I am. And, uh, and so I go, hey, man, how's it going? He goes, fine. I said, a little hot out here tonight. He goes, yeah, but, hey, we're still blessed, though. And I'm like, oh. I'm on to this guy. And I said, I know, man. God's good. He goes, God is really good. I'm like, ha ha, I found one. You know what I'm saying? You, they talk, Christians talk different than everybody else. They use that word blessed, you know, things like God is good, things like they, they just see those kind of things. But before Christ, before Christ, you mean, you cuss like a sailor. But now everything changed, right? And after Christ, you praise like a soldier. Everything changes in your mouth when you uh, come to know him. And what happens is words begin to reveal who you're aligning yourself with. Number four, words open doors for you. Words open doors for you. There's this passage of scripture in Judges chapter 12, and I'll just give you the background. Jephthah and the uh, Gileadites had um, done some battles, and the Ephraimites got mad at Jephthah and the Gileadites because they didn't uh, invite them into the victory uh, uh, war, and Jephthah's like, you know, I know y'all were busy, whatever. And so the Ephraim was so mad, the Ephraimites and the Gileadites were going to battle without them. They go, we're going to go, we're going to battle with you right now because you made us mad. And he's like, seriously? And so the Ephraimites came against the Gileadites. And, and so God was with the Gileadites. The Ephraimites were being crazy and nuts. And, and so God gave the Gileadites favor. And so they captured the rivers. And the Ephraimites were trying to cross the rivers. And so they set sentries at the river. And they, the Gileadites said they didn't know who was Gileadite, who was an Ephraimite. They didn't know who was who. And so they had to figure out who was who. And so they came up with this plan. And they, when, the, when anybody came up to the edge of the water, the river, they would say, the, the Gileadites would say to this person, are you a Gileadite? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. They would all say that. And it goes, well, then if that's so, then say the word Shibboleth. And if they said Sibboleth, then that wasn't good. No, I said say Shibboleth. Sibboleth. No, Shibboleth. Sibboleth. You're an Ephraimite. Get out of here. You're dead. You're gone. Every, every culture not only speaks its own, but it opens doors for you into the promises that God has for you and, and, and opens doors for you that only God can open when you speak the words of God, when you speak the language of the Lord. I don't know if I'm making any sense, but basically the language of God is the language of faith. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 8, I don't think you have it, but it says this, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, in thy heart. That is the word of faith which I preach. The language of faith is the language that God speaks. It's the language that, that God gets things done with. It's, it's not the language of fear. It's not the language of hate. It's not the language of discord. It's the language of faith. And the faith language separates you from religious people. I, you can even be a person that knows God and loves God to some degree, but you can still be religious. 
religious. And God can't get anything done with a religious person. But you get, give God a person filled with faith and his mouth filled with faith, and God can get some things done because God moves to the people whose mouth uh, is filled with faith. Number five, words describe what's important to me. They describe what's important to me. We have words. We have these constitutions, these Bill of Rights. We have these, these words that say this is what's important to us. I got with our staff this past week. I said, you know, every, every organization, every church has its own culture. And we want to develop the right culture even here at Summit. And so let's sit down, let's talk about, let's hammer out some words, 10 phrases, 10 statements, 10 sentences that describe the culture that we want Summit Church to look like. And let's make everything that we do and everything that we decide from this point on fit into these, these, these words. Words define what you do, where you go, who you talk to, who, how you believe. So, Genesis chapter 1. We don't have time to read the whole passage. But let me just say this, a few things. Verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was formless. It was empty. It was darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And then God said, let there be space between the waters. Goes on, and then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear. And that's what's happened. And then God said, let lights appear in the sky. Then God said, let the waters swarm with fish and life. And then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal. And then God said, let us make human beings in our image. Can I tell you something? That God speaks. And when God speaks, things happen. And here's what you need to know. I want to give you real quickly four things you need to know about God's language when he speaks. Number one, when God speaks, let me just say this. God speaks and talks. You got to know that first before you know anything. That he, he, he is a God that doesn't sit up on a mantle that you look up at every once in a while and say some prayers to. He's not some rock in the, you know, in the Middle East somewhere where you lay a blanket down and you bow to it and, and it's, in, it's an inanimate object. It's not some little rabbit's foot you put in your pocket and you carry around hoping for good luck. You have a God that is very real and reveals himself as a speaking God, not a sitting God, not a passive God, not a sleeping God. He's a God that speaks. And when your God speaks, things happen. Things happen, things happen, things happen when your God speaks. And the first thing he wanted you to know is that he can speak and that he can talk. And that when, 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 when he does speak, things you can begin to anticipate will begin to take place. 
The Roman centurion would come to Jesus. He would say, listen, I have a worker that works for me, and they're, they got balls that are paralyzed, uh, and I, I, they need to get healed. And Jesus goes, well, I'm on my way. And they said, no, no, you don't need to come. You just stay where you're at. All you have to do is speak. And if you just speak, uh, I know they'll be fine. Just speak the word. And Jesus said, I haven't found that great of faith in all of Israel. When you speak with faith, things will happen. God's looking for a people who will use their words uh, to declare things that are not as though they are. And Jesus was nothing more than God talking. That's why you need to know Jesus. That's why when people come to know Jesus, they go, "What? this is a big book. What do I read? I go, you go to Matthew, then you go to Mark, then you go to Luke, then you go to John. If you just want to read one, just go to John. Why do I need to read those things? Because it's the story of Jesus. It's the story of God talking. You need to know how God talks. You need to know how God lives. And then you need to align yourself as so. The Bible says in John 1.14, the word became flesh. He dwelt among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. And whenever God shows up on the scene, he uses words. No matter what age you are, God can still communicate to you. You know there's no senior Holy Spirit There's no junior Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks to every person of no matter what age they are. I was 10 years old. I was in a denominational church in northeast Missouri. I was not paying attention to the sermon. And there was a Sunday night, like any other Sunday night, I just waiting for it to be done so I could go play with my friends for a few minutes before everybody went home. And then all of a sudden, God's presence fell upon my life. The second time I'd experienced his presence like that, the first time was at the age of eight at the Billy Graham crusade. And it fell upon me. I didn't know what was happening. I just began to weep uncontrollably, almost embarrassingly. And it was in this place right here I'm going to show you that this event happened. In fact, my mother was visiting, took a picture of this place um, years ago. I mean, a few weeks, months ago. It was a little church, and I was sitting right here where this offering plate is on the side. That's where I was sitting. And the preacher was down here giving an altar call, and I started weeping uncontrollably. And I looked up, and where that TV monitor is, it wasn't there then. And I saw a, a man with a robe. With his, I couldn't see the face, but just a robe. Hands out like that. And these words came to my mind. JP, don't do anything bad. I've got great plans for you. Now, you don't say those kind of things to old people, but you say them to a 10-year-old, don't do anything bad. Oh, I know what that means. And I, I've just, I remember that. I hid it in my heart. It was almost, it took me a couple of weeks before I could even actually share with my mother what had happened. And she goes, son, you heard it from God. I said, what? She goes, that was God speaking to your heart. I'm thinking, what, don't I have to be old 
Doesn't God speak to like old people with beards and stuff like that and people with no hair? And... But God speaks and talks now, no matter how old you are, what state you're in, what position of life you're in. And number two, you need to know this about God's language is that God's words will always create. God used words, as we read in Genesis chapter 1, to create. The sun was filled with fire because God said it. The sea began to realize its boundaries because God said it. Animals begin to come into existence out of thin air because God said it. Seeds begin to fall into the earth because God said it. Stars begin to be flung into place, just the right exact place, and filled with light because God said it. He didn't use his fist, he used his mouth. He used words. He didn't use guns or bombs or torpedoes to make things happen. He used words. And then he turns around and he says, I'm going to make man just like me. And the good news is that you can now use your words to create. Oh, I can. You use your words to create. Martin Luther King Jr. used his words to create a civil society that did not exist. Abraham Lincoln used his words to create healing for a land that was at war with each other. William Wilberforce used words to bring an end to slavery in the British Empire. It took him all of his life, but his words landed upon good soil eventually, and the entire empire changed. Billy Graham used his words to touch a little eight-year-old's boy sitting in a football stadium in Denver, Colorado, and those words uh, fell fell on my heart uh, and made such an impact uh, that I almost couldn't stand to my feet, and I made my way down on that football field, and I met my Creator, my God, my Savior, my Lord, uh, and my Redeemer, because his words uh, from a man, just a man, penetrated my heart and brought life. Uh, I'm here to tell you, worlds change uh, because of words. We have people protesting right now in streets because of some words that were spoken by a Supreme Court. Words change lives. And when God speaks, he changes the world. And when he uses you, lives change as well. You have to understand the power of your words. And the enemy would call, oh, they're just words. You can say anything you want. Just say how you feel. Just, if you feel it, just say it. Just say it. Just say it. No, that is so wrong. If it's not filled with love, if it's not filled with kindness, if it's not filled with faith, uh, then you better keep your trap shut. Come on, somebody. Do you realize that man is the only part of creation that's allowed to speak? Dogs bark. Cats meow, horses whinny, I guess. Chickens cluck, but you speak. 
you have the language of the Almighty God in your mouth. Right of Romans I read to you says you have the word of faith living right here. And all you have to do is speak it and give God something to work with. He has nothing to work with if you don't give him the tools. He could do it. He could supernaturally snap his fingers, but he's bound himself to his own covenant, his own commands, and says, I will partner with man, and I will only do what he allows me to do. God gave Adam a tongue. Why? So he could create. He named every animal that we have. And Jesus, in his last words, Man, why don't you come on, worship team. In Jesus' last words, he's on the Mount of, Transf- on Mount of uh, Ascension. He says to his disciples, he says, hey, he didn't say, hey, go into all the world and, and play flag football. Go into all the world and shop. I'll give you a favor. I'll bless you. Go into all the world, take a vacation. No, he says, go into the world and teach all nations. Use your words. Teach them to observe the things that I've shared with you. Use your words. God said to us, go into the world and create. And God will create, listen to this. God will create what you consistently speak. You can, tweet, you can Twitter that one, that's okay. God will create what you consistently speak. You speak death over your life, You speak death over your finances, I'll never get out of debt. What are you saying? I'll never be healthy. What? Stop it. Your words create your destiny. And number three, God never lies. He can't lie. You know why he can't lie? Because whatever he says happens. If he said to me, if I said, God, this platform is, is black, God could say, oh, no, it's not black, it's white. No, no, God, it's, uh, it's white. How does that happen? Because I said it. Everything God says, he creates. And he don't lie. So when you find the promises that God declares over your life, you better hold on tight to him because that's exactly what he means. And he don't lie. He don't play around with you. He tells you the truth. And number four, and lastly, and I'm borrow this from Pastor Rick. He said I could. Is that every season has a word? Every season has a word. We have this our prayer on Tuesdays and Thursday mornings and we get together at the end of our prayer time. Pastor Rick challenged us this past week because he said, what is your wind word for today? And we all looked at him and I have no idea what you're saying, Pastor Rick. What's your wind word? Wind? Yeah, wind. W-I-N-D. What's your wind word? Help us understand what you're saying. He said, The wind turbines that power electricity, they build them 
way high into the air. You know why they don't build them low? Because there's another type of wind that blows that high. It's different than the wind that blows down here. It's a cleaner type of air and a different kind of air. So they have to build these turbines really, really high to be able to catch the kind of air that they need to produce power for your homes. And it reminded us of the Holy Spirit coming in Acts chapter 2 like a mighty rushing wind. It reminds me that Jesus prayed, thy will be done on earth as it is that God is speaking from a whole other dimension that I live in. And every season that I'm in, every day I'm in, he has a word for me, a word of faith, a word of hope, and a word of life. And I need to get my head above the clouds, and I need to get it up in the wind, and I need to hear what God is saying so I can come back down into the earth and begin to declare by faith what God is saying in the heavenlies. Come on, church. We need words. We need words that create life. And so this week, I want to give you two assignments. This may be the hardest thing you've ever done. Next week, I'm going to give you two more. But you're going to, you're going to take this, and here's, here's what you're going to do. You're not going to complain or grumble at any time this week. Turn to your neighbor. Help me preach this. Turn your neighbor, look him in the eye, and say, I don't want to hear you complain. Turn to your other neighbor, say, I don't want to hear you grumble. <laughs> There's going to be some people who don't even talk this week. Because you create what you consistently speak. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to grumble. <laughs> I was in the store. You've heard it. I was in the store the other night and uh, said, man, how are you, how are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm doing, I'm doing great. I can't complain. I said, that's right. And we both looked at each other and both said at the same time, because people don't listen to you anyway when you do. And the other 10%, are glad it's happening to you. So why complain? Why grumble? Okay, it's hot outside. Come on. We all get it. We're all sweating too. You want to, that doesn't have to be your lead statement. Oh boy, it's really hot. I don't know if I can take it anymore. You know, you can move to Alaska. I mean, my boss, he just, he's just, it's never good enough for him. Well, quit complete. Create the kind of boss you want. Listen, my wife says to, well, I've heard her say this at a women's conference. She said to the women, she said, ladies, you can create the kind of husband you want with your words. I thought that was such a powerful statement. If you, if you can speak it, 
You can create it, and you can create the kind of husband you want. Instead of saying, he's so lazy, he just comes home, gets in his recliner, doesn't do a lip, doesn't lift a finger around here. I'm just a loser. I'm just so tired of this guy. I'm Don't you know he's over there going, woo? Yeah, I'm somewhat, no. He's, it's called nagging. It's called griping. It's called complaining. But he comes home. And he gets in that recliner, sweetheart, you pull your hand over up in his hair that he has. Honey, I love you so much. Huh? I'm so thankful that you take care of this family and bring home a paycheck. Give us an opportunity just to live in a nice, comfortable setting. I'm the luckiest woman in the world. Bless, that's a good word. That's a better word, bless. I'm the most blessed person in the world. And the man, the man's going to get out of that recliner and walk into that kitchen. You want me to help make dinner? I'll wash the dishes. How about that? We'll get some things done around this house. Can I hang them curtains? It may not happen right away, but it will happen. You create your own destiny. If you're here this morning, you hear in these words, perhaps your words have hurt other people. Perhaps you can think back over your life how your words have controlled others and belittled them and brought pain into their life. Maybe you're sitting here going, I don't have any control over my mouth. I have some good news for you that if you'll give your heart to Jesus and let him become the Lord of your life, then he will come and take control even of this and this. And he'll change what's in here so that what comes out of here brings life. With every head bowed and eye closed this morning, you would say, Pastor, I need Jesus in my life. I need him to take over my life. Right where you're sitting, right where you're at, I just want you to raise your hand. I'm just going to pray for you right where you're at. Say, Pastor, I want to know Jesus. I want to turn my life around. I want him to change my life. Let me pray for you right now. Raise your hand. I want Jesus. I want to make him the Lord of my life. Yes. That hand, and that hand, and that hand. Yes. And that hand, and yes, yes, I want to make him the Lord, yes, in this hand, in the front of my right. I'm going to make him the Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus. I want to say a prayer for you that lifted your hand. And I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer with me. As, in fact, I'm going to invite all of us to pray this prayer together. I call it a salvation prayer. It's where you're literally turning your life over to the Lord. So let's all repeat this, especially those that raise their hand. Would you say this, Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and all the words I have spoken that have hurt you and hurt others. I ask you to come into my life and take full control. Make me your disciple. 
Thank you for hearing his prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give a good hand to our new brothers and sisters this morning? Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand with me on your feet. I'm going to say one more prayer for all of us, altar team, prayer team. I'd like for you to come up front if you would mind. And I want you to stand here. And after we dismiss in just a moment, we invite you to come and let us, our prayer team, come pray with, just pray with you about whatever's going on in your life. We believe that the prayer of faith changes every situation. Well, let me just pray for all of us here together. One more time, just bow your heads with me. Lord God, we thank you that you're putting a watch over our mouth. And we thank you, Lord God, that this week you're going to begin to help us create faith-filled words that will bring healing to people's lives and not pain and not hurt. Father, we thank you that you're going to help us not to complain or to grumble. And we thank you that you're bringing, Holy Spirit, a fresh sense of conviction over our life by the words that we speak. And we give you full permission, Holy Spirit, to come and to bring us unrest when we say something that is not from your kingdom, that is not from a heavenly dimension, that does not bring life, and it does not bring hope, and it does not bring faith. We thank you so much, Father, for the power that you've given us through your Son to speak words of life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give God some praise this morning? God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Turn around. Greet somebody on your way out. Give a big old high five and say, I'm so glad to be a part of your life. God bless you. Have a great, great Sunday afternoon.